Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. In 1981, Squeeze released their song Tempted, and it made a very minor impression on the radio. But by the mid-90s, commercials, movie soundtracks, and video games made this their most well-known hit. This week, I'm joined by Squeeze superfan and Sunblind guitarist Juan Rodriguez to decide if they brought the thunder or if they were tempted by the fruit of a blunder. squeeze for this episode how i first started uh, hearing of even squeeze um was actually through grand theft auto vice city (laughs) (laughs) so so here's the thing with squeeze and i feel like i can already hear the comments being typed right now Mm -hmm. that we have to address is like technically a they're not actually a one-hit wonder and technically b the song that you know by them was never a hit Technically, yeah, like there's a lot of weird technicalities with this so, like, band. The biggest reason I wanted to bring up that band, well, one, like when I'm thinking, like when you asked me to do the podcast, I'm thinking, like, well, what can I cover? I'm like, you know, googling stuff, and unfortunately, like, Weedus, I wanted to cover, but that was already taken by Roger Feely on uh, an earlier episode. And I'm like, okay, what other groups are there? And like, there's this article from Kerrang! I was reading. Um, and they put they had the fucking audacity to put third. Oh wait, can I curse on this? Oh, I feel bad. Yeah, all absolutely. Right, cool. uh, all right. So anyway, I'll let, let them slip here and there. But yeah, they had the audacity to put Third Eye Blind on that list. Yeah, Third Eye Blind. I would maybe give Third Eye Blind like a one album wonder. Like yes, because all the singles came from that one album. Yeah, yeah. Like you had like Never Let You Go on the follow up album, but like beyond that, mm-hmm. like Third Eye Blind's career just doesn't really exist in the public eye. Yeah. Like, here's the thing. I could understand if you said, like, oh, over time, all anybody remembers is Semi-Charm Life, but people mm-hmm. remember Jumper and How's It Gonna Be. Yeah. Like, and even then, like, losing a whole year is an amazing hit. Um, like, uh, graduate. <laughs> but I would uh, but I would argue that Graduate and losing a whole year for, like, the mass public may have been forgotten by now, mm-hmm. but, like, Jumper and, and How's It Gonna Be are absolutely still in, like, the public's mind on a regular basis. Yeah, for, for sure. And the other, the other two like bands that came up on this list, um, 
were American Hi-Fi and Living Color, and they're, they're two bands I also like, and I've grew up, I've grown up like listening to, or had the pleasure of like actually meeting Living in Color, the guitarist Living in Color, and talking with him, and I kind of like, you know, maybe I wanted to uh, cover those, but then I thought about Squeeze and talking with a lot of my friends who are involved in music or just enjoy music. They don't even know who they are, and <laughs> and unless you like show them Tempted, they're like, oh, I know that song, I heard it in a Burger King commercial. Yeah, I was going to say, so that's the thing is like, so Tempted is definitely the song that most people know. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not, I'm like a, maybe no three or four songs by Squeeze. And I've liked all three or four songs, but that's like the extent of my knowledge. Oh man, no, they have so many more tracks that are just well, amazing. <laughs> so that's the thing that's weird to me though, is like, I've always known Tempted. Like that was just mm-hmm. a song that I was aware of. But like, when I looked at what the higher charting songs were, yeah, I I was like, gun to my head, I wouldn't have guessed that those were their like big U.S. chart toppers. Like well, even Hourglass, then, yes. Hourglass, and what is it, eight uh, five four six nine yeah, three not, seven. Yes, uh, not to get confused with uh, what was it, that Jesse song, um, eight five six seven five three eight six seven five three zero nine. Another another uh, potential one hit thunder episode. Yeah. in its own right. Yeah, there's so many bands um, from this, from the, well, from the ones that you've touted that could be on this pod. Um, but even then, like bands from this era of music that could also be a part of it. Squeeze is considered uh, one of the biggest bands to uh, affect well, the, the new wave genre, but also to be a part of what's considered the uh, second British invasion of music in America. Um, because, you know, they came from like the same town as Dire Straits or something, right? right. Well, I they actually played that. with Dire Straits in the yeah. beginning. Like uh, back when they first started as a band, they would be, uh, I think it was Greenwich, um, if I'm remembering this right. This is where they started started from, and um, they would play with Dire Straits. And they actually, the first album they had was produced by the dude from Velvet Underground. Yeah. And that's where the name Squeeze even comes from, is from that, that uh, one Velvet Underground song, I mean, the album. Yeah, but it's just insane to like to look at these lists and like Squeeze is still like, it, people like will love a lot of the groups like like Soft Cell. Even then, like a lot of these are can be one hit wonders with Soft Cell, The Human League, um, or even like Boy George, um, Alternative TV. And a lot of these groups that came out from what's considered this British invasion of music. But Squeeze, even though they're kind of they're prolific at the time and they're a huge influence, they're not touted today at all by anybody especially a lot of my friends like there was a great quote when i was like doing research for this um from stuart mason of mm-hmm. all music who said you know radio and television might suggest otherwise but tempt it was not a hit in fact it failed to crack any top 40 in any country that it was released yeah, in it was and it's like the highest i think was 42 in the uk yeah it's like it's but like to me it's like this song has hit written all over it from front like, to back yeah, like it's like such a catchy song. It's such a well-crafted song. It's like, it's got that, it's got one of those things where what this song does that I don't think a lot of other songs do is that I genuinely think the verses melody is catchier than the chorus melody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, da 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 When they're talking about, you know, buying a toothbrush and like just going throughout their day, which... It's so finding out the origin of the song too is interesting. Well, for one, it's not even the 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 main singers of the group aren't even singing on this track. No, it's like a guy who was barely in the band playing keyboards, right? He was, he was there for a few years. as Paul Carrick, um, and he replaced Joel uh, ha- Jules Holland, I believe is their name. Who was the original? Yeah, Jules Holland, who was the original um, piano player for the group. And and one other thing about this band, just real quick. 
they've had a multitude of different members throughout their career. Oh uh, yeah, no. Spanning... If you go on, if you go on Wiki and look at the members list, it's mm-hmm. like twenty people. <laughs> yeah, just 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 shy of that. Actually, I think it's over twenty people. Yeah, <laughs> throughout the not just like if you think about you know members that play live or they're even in the studio, the numbers huge. But you think of production that also is a thing like a thing at this time where like you really wanted someone solid for production and they technically they would consider them a member of the band, at least for like the UK bands. But what's nuts is like, uh, Paul Carrick, like he just was there then the band for a little bit and they just wanted to have him in the forefront. And that happened to be like the biggest hit. <laughs> well, not the biggest hit, but one, you know, one of the most well-known, the, the, lo- songs. the longest lasting hit, I would yeah. say. But like, yeah, I, from what I read, like it, it made me laugh. Cause it was like, they got this guy, he joined the band, he sang the lead vocals for tempt it. And then literally, like, uh, within a year of that album coming out, he mm-hmm. left the band. Yeah. And, I... and then rejoined the band just in time for the song to be in Reality Bites and for them to re-record a new version of the song yeah. for the Reality Bites soundtrack and then yep. left the band again. <laughs> like... Yeah, I like how you brought up Reality Bites because, like, that was the ver- that's the version that we know is that re-recorded yeah. version in 93. But the song came out in 81. 81. After they had been almost not a full decade, but they formed in '74, so that's it's getting close to what was that seven years of being a band mm-hmm. by the time this they didn't so they didn't even make it. This was one of those bands that was like rocking out an album every year, which oh, was yeah. a very '70s thing for sure. But yeah, they formed in '74, debut was in '78, but they yep. didn't even get With played the on the. Yeah, and they didn't even get played on U.S. radio until the third album with the song Pulling Muscles. Even then, that got – it was very niche. It, it, was, it yeah. wasn't critical success. The only the, the first success was Tempted, and then you had those other two tracks. But even then, the one I – mean, my personal favorite being Hourglass of Love. It, it features <laughs> saxophone. Um, that's just one of my personal favorites of mine. still like it's still not even like the best it's so hard to argue with what the best squeeze song is but tempted i like because it it's very for me i love r&b music a lot so it's very r&b driven very piano heavy it has great piano hooks i mean i mean this band has more hooks you can fit in a tackle box for anything like <laughs> so my experience with squeeze was for the longest time i only really knew the song tempted mm-hmm. and i was like man this song rules and then when Rock Band 2 came out, yep, <laughs> my friends and I were like hardcore into like we would play easily five to six nights a week. We would <laughs> we would play Rock Band and Cool for Cats was in there. Yeah. And it sounded so different than Tempted that I was almost convinced it was a different band altogether. I was like, there's no way this is the same band. Yeah. And Cool for Cats is a fucking banger. Like I love Cool for Cats. Cool for Cats is fun. It's a, it's again like the new the the new wave sound that that is it uh, to a T. Where you have this like do you, do you have disco, begrudgingly disco beats and um, electronic. What that? Bass. But, that it's yeah. the little bass line throughout the song that really just keeps it going. It's almost ska. It's like that new wave ska vibe. <laughs> yeah, I can see that a little bit. Like it's like that song sounds more like something that I would expect from like Madness. 
The Indians send signals from the rocks above the pass. The cowboys take position in the bushes and the grass. The score is... Yeah, really it's still like the, that, that pop rock, that power pop, or you know whatever you want to label a subgenre you want to put under New The Wave the track, but like it had a lot of the... Um, you know that little flare guitar and everything, but like the, the the that Cool for Cats is a great example of how expansive this band is, um, and now they're not a one hit wonder, but that's the only song that we know is Tempted. But Cool for Cats, um, there there's just so much like depth to it, and every instrument has a place in every second of the song, um, and that's why I think something consistent with Squeeze. Yeah, it's a chaos. It's like a weird organized chaos in mm-hmm. a lot of their music. Like it sounds like so much stuff happening, but like. It's so meticulously put together. Uh, it's kind of like squeeze in a lot of ways. This is gonna be fucking out there, and and here we go. Okay, hot take. <laughs> if we're thinking of like one hit wonders, mm-hmm. right? Today I went on a walk, and I was listening to the New Radicals. Okay, and I think that squeeze in a similar way. When you listen to that song, you get what you give by the New Radicals, and I there's so much more to dissect about this song and we'll do a full episode on it. But that's another one of the songs where like, if you dissect that song instrument by instrument, it is, it is so insane how many instruments are doing very meticulous things yeah. throughout that entire song. They, they each play their own part and it's not like one thing's getting highlighted. I, mean, I think tempted, honestly, it did highlight the vocals of Paul Carrick and also Elvis Costello was on this. I don't know if you knew that. Um, it makes sense because he produced it, right? Yeah, but he's, he's in the second I, yeah. verse, and I never knew that until I t- actually, you know, today's years old, dude, whatever you want to say. Um, <laughs> but, like, you now finding out Elvis Costello sang in the second verse and finally hearing it, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, this song has so has so much power behind it. I, I have a feeling, like, this is just like a theory, but I'm sure that if I really looked into it, it would be proven true. I think if Elvis Costello has anything to do with any record, I tend to like it because I just oh, think yeah. that Elvis... Like, of this time period, I feel like Elvis Costello's aesthetic matched the most with everything that I like from that decade. He epitomizes it, and, like, um, it's it's just nuts to think. I know a lot of people have choice words about Elvis Costello, and not just their writing, um, you know, in the, in the quote-unquote goofy way they sound vocally. But like also their st- his style and everything, but that is that is new wave. That is that yeah. modern or sorry that mod subculture uh, that Elvis Costello would uh would would you know flare out and tout out uh, from you know from front to back, and he still does it today. He still wears like the tailored suits and the hats and and the glasses and everything. I mean, he had a lot to do with the production, but I, again, it's not the main reason why Squeeze is a great band. Squeeze is a great band. I mean, not just because of the power behind all the different. Uh, you know, members they've had over the years, but it really it speaks volumes to like uh, Glenn, uh, Glenn Tilbrook and Chris Difford and how they write together. You know, they were out in the UK. I think they, the American contemporary for them in a weird way mm-hmm. would be something like Chicago. Like, yeah, that's a good that's a good actually a really good band to compare them to. Yeah, because like while Squeeze was doing what Squeeze was doing in England, and they don't sound anything alike, but it's it's one of those bands where like the band succeeds because every single person who's in it is a contributing member. Yeah. Like Chicago was not a band that had like one dude who did everything. You had like three or four different guys who were writing songs. You had like everyone kind of doing their own musical pieces and being smart enough with how to compose a song 
for it to work. Yeah, I, I can completely agree with that. I mean, I don't know, just thinking about like the power, just these two members that started it, and also, I mean, they're, they're consistently the, they're the members. They are Squeeze, but you know, Squeeze is is a band. That's it's it's actually weird looking at their history and how they consider like what songs are Squeeze and what songs aren't, even though it's been those two the entire time. Beyond Tempted, I think their their biggest reason why they were successful in the U.S. is because of the Rolling Stones uh, magazine that is touting them as, like, the heirs to Lennon and McCartney, which is, like, insane to, I mean, you know, no one who knows who Squeeze is saying that, but, like, they're amazing singers and songwriters together, but I I wouldn't, it's it's really hard and heavy to compare them to Lennon and McCartney. (laughs) That's huge praise to to throw on anybody. Yeah. But I feel like if we wanted to analyze where Squeeze went wrong, I almost feel like... It was that moment, I think. (laughs) it's, It's when you set such a high standard that, like, when you say that, then you've got every Beatles fan in the world that's like, well, let me give this a shot. And then they're like, yeah. well, this isn't, you know, like, it's, you, that is such an impossible hill to climb. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, that, when that was uh, put out there, right around the time this song was re recorded for that, uh, for the Reality Bites and Rolling Stones had that rave review for them, um, and people were getting more into them due to that, it also was the worst time for that band because they were, they were about to start, like, what, their third attempt at being squeezed at that point? <laughs> Yeah, it looked at different lineup changes. Paul Carrick left and came back. Um, but the the two founding members, uh, Tilbrook and Difford, they had differences, um, and they were fighting more than they wanted to, and that's when they had to call it quits. But their management, not a whole lot of information on this, so not to know how much true it is, but I could see it because if they're making money, the management's not going to want them to stop as a band. But the band had to decide, like, hey, like it's affecting our relationships and are affecting our um, our are mental we need to stop as a band that way it doesn't affect like writing down the line and it kind of did affect writing down the line even the, the album after that that came out it didn't have amazing success but it did have some of the best stuff they've ever written i was gonna say was that sweets from a stranger yes um sweets from a stranger yeah, is, is amazing that kind of led to their first breakup and it, it was a few different reasons that i saw on wiki it said like the the strain of touring and and one of the things they called out was the poor critical reception to sweets from a stranger, which is crazy because when I think of like fan favorite songs by squeeze, black coffee in bed is like an absolute, like that is the go-to song when people are trying to get you to like squeeze. They're like, listen to black coffee in bed. Ready for a head bangingly good time. Dive into the world of heavy metal with the brutally delicious podcast here. We don't just talk music. We welcome you into our heavy metal family. Join us for candid chats with legends and rising stars. We go beyond the typical interviews, exploring raw emotions and the life-altering impact of heavy metal. So whether you're a diehard metalhead or just curious, join our family and let the headbanging begin with the Brutally Delicious Podcast. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, 
feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. song it shows um the the depth that is that band uh from front to back from the songwriting uh it showcases each member of the band amazingly the lyrics uh very sad boy you know modern sad boy um stuff that i, I love and i would i would say like i would agree with you black coffee in bed is a fantastic song to send it to any anyone who's listening to this now that should honestly be the first song you check out by them and kind of just go from there even though that album front to back may not be that amazing compared to East Side Story, in my opinion. That is probably the best song they've written, or it's the most cohesive, like, squeeze song written. It's a good jam, and then they, you know, they decide to break up. They, I, I always find this to be, like, a baller move. <laughs> we're breaking up, and we're putting out one last single that's on our Best Of album. <laughs> and that Best Of album... Uh, well, that's the album that everybody owns by Squeeze. Yeah, which... <laughs> Which I think it's crazy. Like I think Squeeze had amazingly ball, like, not even baller moves they've done over time. Like, like one of my favorite things about the band that's kind of low key is like how kind of highbrow their uh, their comedy is too. Like that album after Sweets from a Stranger, uh, Cosi Fan Tutti Fruity, like a combination of like Mozart's uh, comedic opera uh, Cosi Fan, uh, combining that with Little Richard's Tutti Fruity. I thought that was hilarious. But they also have little sly stuff they do over time, like. Um, speaking of best of albums, Spot the Difference was like a re-recording of all of their tracks. And it was a way for them to actually own the property that is Squeeze without having to give money back to the label. I love that that's a practice that still happens in 2020 sometimes. Because isn't like, didn't T-Swift try to do that recently? Mm-hmm. Yep, tried re-recording yeah. <laughs> and re-releasing. And uh, from the back, like trying to um, own the property. Like doing the recording, doing the production, um, and like... You know, I love Spot the Difference because it was like a kind of a shout out to uh, their fans to f- actually see if there's a difference in each. Because there actually are. In every track, there's something different, even though it sounds exactly like the original recording. I, I mean, one of my favorite examples of anybody doing that, uh, going back to my my ska boy roots, is uh, <laughs> when when uh, Streetlight Manifesto just decided to completely re-record Keys Be Nights because they didn't. I think the, the story behind that was that Victory Records had reached out to Tom, who used to be in Catch-22 and was now in Streetlight Manifesto, and was like, hey, it's the 10-year anniversary of Keysby Nights, so we're going to do a re-release. And he's like, oh, what are you going to do for it? And they're like, I don't know, new art album uh, album art work or something? And he's like, that's it? And he's like, listen, how about you just let us re-record it? <laughs> that's hilarious. The one big thing that I wanted to point out as you're talking about like the creative and the tongue-in-cheek is like they're two big singles from like an actual charting standpoint both came off an album that i think has a pretty fun little title which is babylon and on yeah (laughs) which is just yeah like it's like a very tongue-in-cheek they're not making album titles that are just like very serious musician album titles i mean for god's sake the first the 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 second album's called cool for cats (laughs) like (laughs) even though it's kind of it was something that 
to say at that time and what it is acceptable to, you know, to put in conversation. I mean, actually, today it would work because, you know, with the success of Tiger King, I'm sure someone out there is going to do, like, cool for cats and kittens if they wanted to. <laughs> Dude, I want someone <laughs> to put out an album. It, the only problem that sucks is that, like, that song's not famous enough for people to get the, oh, no. the play on words. But, dude, cool for cats and kittens would be such a good joke album song or title uh, oh, yeah. album title I mean, if someone song does, title if someone doesn't do it like a month after listening to this i'll do it <laughs> <laughs> i love squeeze that much and tiger king's that ridiculous i'm like it, it everything deserves a little 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 taste of that so what do you think was like there was a lot of things happening where Temptit came back into the public eye mm-hmm. and like what do you think it was do you think like in my mind i'm thinking it's it's because of uh, reality bites but i forgot that it was used in like heineken commercials and burger yeah. king commercials so and stuff like that the the for at least my family remembering this song whenever i played it on rock band or the you know i would just i, I, I play the song on guitar and sing it they're like you know the song from the the 90s whopper commercial i'm like yeah <laughs> where you know get your burgers worth <laughs> shout out to retro drunk for like show me that old commercial i'm not against i, I mean I, I don't like when songs that i love are used for advertisements in like shitty ways mm-hmm. but like tempt it and showing me a bunch of pictures of a whopper is like in the 90s that's working oh yeah <laughs> it's like man because <laughs> i am being tempted whopper. yeah you are 100 percent tempting me licking my lips so, yeah. <laughs> but Ooh, for yeah yeah for, i guess uh, for people maybe in my age group or not that Grand Theft Auto was popular, as I was saying earlier. That's where I first heard the song. Um, I don't remember what radio station was playing it, but all I can recall is, you know, chilling. It's like two in the morning, and I'm in the sunset in the game, and that song is playing. I'm like, man, this is great. Like, is, is life going to get better than this? <laughs> <laughs> See, and I think one of the big things that helped in Reality Bites, and this is where, like, it could have made, I think in a lot of ways it could have made or braid broken the song mm-hmm. i mean i don't remember how popular reality bites truly was like that was one of those posters that i saw everywhere but i don't remember a lot of people talking about reality bites yeah i honestly i didn't even recall, like, remember the movie until all the you know writing up for this podcast i was like oh yeah that movie did exist i didn't know the song was even in it but that would make sense for the reason for the re-recording <laughs> yeah so it was it was actually featured very predominantly in the movie mm-hmm. in a scene where and it's like Reality Bites, for those who haven't watched it, because you probably haven't, or if you have, you haven't seen it in like a decade, mm-hmm. uh, is a really weird fucked up movie with a messed up message. <laughs> but but there's a scene where they go into like a 7-Eleven and Tempted is playing on the radio and they're all just like, oh my God, I love this song. And they all just start singing along with the song inside the convenience store. That part I remember vaguely in the back of my head now you're saying it, but like I don't remember that movie at all. Like I saw the trailer yeah. and nothing struck me. Even when I watched Reality Bites for the first time and I was like, this movie speaks nothing to me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still ran out and bought the soundtrack because the soundtrack had this song on it. And this is really the only thing that I own that has tempted on it is the Reality Bites soundtrack. Oh, but it really? also had... It had Lisa Loeb Stay was on it. It had My Sharona by The Knack on it. Mm-hmm. It had All I Want Is You by U2, which I still think is like one of the best U2 songs. 
embarrassed to admit this one, but I also bought it because it has Baby I Love Your Way, the big mountain reggae cover of it. Ooh, that's a good <laughs> version of that song. It's a really good version of that song, and people will mock me for it, I but don't I don't care. care. Man, I, well, there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure for one. You like what you like. Like, it, it, this life is too short to care what other people think. <laughs> but the second, like, that's from front to, like, another thing, like, that Tempted and then other... Uh, like you're just touted off a bunch of like, great tracks and great singles. That's just nuts. Yeah, it's a good soundtrack. It's kind of bringing it back to this whole thing about like Squeeze being a part of the second British invasion. The the, the part of that, uh, that invasion for music, or sorry, that era of music was also like the um, beginning of MTV. I think I may have been wrong, and I think they actually sang along to My Sharona in the convenience store, Not Tempted. Uh, so, so I'll have to rewatch the movie and find out. Okay. I'm going to say, like, <laughs> they're making me question my memories. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, shit. What <laughs> song? Because I forgot that My Sharona was also in the soundtrack. I'm like, wait, My Sharona, was that what they sang? <laughs> someone, I, someone who's like a hardcore fan of Reality Bites is going to message us and be like, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm out of this because I don't remember watching the movie. <laughs> so I'm fine. I'm just, you know. <laughs> I'm sitting uh, over here on YouTube right now searching Reality Bites. <laughs> okay. Tempt it and um, see what it brings up. <laughs> I'm kind of bring it back to the MTV portion of it. That's like when we uh, sort of first started getting music videos in America because that was really popular in uh, the UK, was music videos. Uh, but when you think about all these bands that were featured on the first day of MTV doing videos, like the first one, ironically, is The Buggles, Video Killed the Radio Star. But you have like Dire Straits is featured. Uh, the Pretenders is featured heavily on the, the first couple of plays. Um, David Bowie. Uh, I think uh, yeah, Elvis Costello had a, a video, but we oh, didn't yeah, get anything the... from Squeeze until I think months down the line. <laughs> but still, like I feel like anything that presents it as a cool song for these '90s hipsters to be listening to is a positive thing for <laughs> for Squeeze. <laughs> oh yeah, because the worst case scenario would be it comes on the radio and they're like, "Oh fuck this song, <laughs> 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 Squeeze <laughs> sucks." Boo! Squeeze! <laughs> oh my god. Squeeze my neck so I can stop listening to this song. <laughs> squeeze nuts! <laughs> someone hates us out there now. Squeeze nuts. I can't believe someone hasn't thought of that before. <laughs> but yeah, so like, Squeeze, really, like, just a very good band. I mean, we're not even going to do the is it a one-hit thunder or one-hit blunder on this. We, I think we know... They brought the thunder, as do most of the bands that are on One Hit Thunder, which, again, I always like to say this. When you hear the phrase One Hit Thunder, it is not a bad thing. Uh, we are constantly trying to distill that concept that just because a band's a one hit wonder, it means that they have no value. Even if Squeeze is, by almost every single technical stance, not a one hit wonder. <laughs> Technically, yeah, they're not a one hit wonder or thunder, but... Again, like we were talking about earlier, if you ask anybody, like, uh, I don't even know that band, or 
oh yeah, it's that song from, you know, place from whatever memory from the 90s or rock band. <laughs> but like, it's crazy to think that it's still like the main songwriter, Glenn Tilbrook. Um, it's his favorite track that they've ever written. Uh, for some reason, they, when they were listening to the album, you know, back for the first time, when that song came on, they were just in awe and they couldn't believe like, wait, this is us. And I I know as even being in bands and recording myself, I've had those moments where I'm like, I can't believe this is me right now. Or like, I can't believe this is like the people in the room right now. Like, and we're listening to this. Like, it's so surreal. I think even sometimes you have that as a, as like a friend of a musician, because we won't dive into it, but there was a band of yours that recorded an EP. And I remember the first time that I listened to the first track on it. Like I'd always known you as a dude in bands, but it was like one of those things where I was just like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> like it was, this shouldn't be music that's produced by someone that I can go get food with at any time that I want. <laughs> Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that sentiment. While we're talking about music and we're starting to wrap up, how about, is there any bands you're in that you want to promote right now? A couple. Um, but the main one that I do want to tout out uh, is Sunblind. It's uh, with myself, Luke Eccles, who uh, you've had on uh, um, several shows before, and uh, a friend of ours, Vincent, who was in a band called Feel Something, and uh, Eric Neatherly. Uh, kind of... A uh, hodgepodge of just—it's not the none of us the original members besides Luke in this band, but now we're getting back into the songwriting and doing uh, videos and uh, live recordings. We even have a, a podcast we're starting ourselves, which is kind of fun. And we've been doing live episodes every week. Um, but yeah, Sunblind is a band I've been in. And I, I love those dudes, so it's really cool to get back into the singer, uh, the, the songwriting process. Um, and I'm, I mean, this is coming out a week from the day that we're recording it. So if you want to promote the podcast that you're doing live too. Yeah, I was going to say, it's going to come out, uh, all right, so it's going to be next week. So I believe now we're changing the format to where we're doing live episodes every Friday at 8 uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, it's called the Bread and Butter Boy Podcast. This is with myself and Luke, and we're just, you know, we kind of just talk about, honestly, how we're dealing with everything right now with the current climate that we're in. Uh, you know, with the, the with the, the fear of the coronavirus and being quarantined um, and kind of how like we're, you know, surviving together separately. It's just really neat. We, 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 talk, we have that podcast every Friday, 8, uh, 8 p.m. You can find us. Uh, we'll, we'll send links and everything, but then we uh, put that uh, episode on our YouTube channel the day after um, with some editing and what have you. But beyond that, um, I also am doing some solo stuff here shortly. Uh, I don't know what to call it yet, but uh, I'm hoping to have something out in the fall. But the first single that I'll be releasing will be sometime in the spring. Nice. All right. Well, thank you so much, Juan. And uh, we will be back next week with another episode of One Hit Thunder. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is produced by Matt Kelly as part of the Geekscape Network and hosted by Chris Fafalios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah. Special shout out to this week's guest Juan and his band Sunblind, whose new song, If It's Aria, is playing underneath me right now. Visit punchline.com for updates as well as news, merch, and other upcoming tour dates. And let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us in your favorite podcasting app and stay safe out there. But until then, tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. listening to the Geekscape Network.
ready for a head-bangingly good time? Dive into the world of heavy metal with the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Here, we don't just talk music. We welcome you into our heavy metal family. Join us for candid chats with legends and rising stars. We go beyond the typical interviews, exploring raw emotions and the life-altering impact of heavy metal. So whether you're a diehard metalhead or just curious, join our family and let the headbanging begin with the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind, uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick, and usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. <laughs> 